I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Ent Podcast. Wordle has taken the puzzle world by storm with its simple but challenging premise of guessing five-letter words in five goes. This week, however, saw the puzzle being sold to the New York Times. So what does that mean for the likes of you and me? Pocalent's Max Freeman-Mills is here to bring us all the details. Meanwhile, I've been recently catching up with Alex Cho, President of Personal Systems at HP, to talk about working in the new hybrid world that we live in, the trends that were affecting the PC industry, and whether the metaverse, yes, I know, the dreaded word, really is something we should be paying attention to. And finally, Pocalint's Cam Bunton has been using the new Huawei P50 Pro, the company's latest flagship handset, and is here to tell us whether it's any good, even though it doesn't come with the Google Play Store access. Stay tuned to find out his verdict. But first, back to you, Max. Tell us more about Wordle and the deal with the New York Times. Hi, Stu. Yeah, I mean, if anyone is on Twitter, there's a good chance they've uh, either seen or been playing Wordle Mm. in the last month. The green, yellow and grey squares have kind of taken over a lot of people's feeds, certainly first thing in the morning. I think everyone who's been playing it has been enjoying it as a kind of soothing start to their day or a part of their routine that's just a little bit of simple joy. So there was a little bit of alarm when it got announced that it was being bought. It felt like it was maybe above that sort of mundane reality. We didn't think it could be bought. Well, that's one (laughs) of the things, isn't it, I suppose, is that up until now, the creator who created it for his wife was a bit of fun because she likes puzzles has always said, well, you know, I'm not going to put adverts on it because that's kind of, it's just a fun project and I'm not here to make money from it. So how much did he sell it for? Well, that's the thing. We don't know exactly. The New York Times has been willing to say that it's a lo- in the low seven figures, which could kind of mean anything, but you know he's got at least a million out of it, which yeah. I, I personally am quite pleased to hear. I think when you, when you create a, something that kind of hits the zeitgeist on this level, you deserve a reward. Um, but you know that that could really be <laughs> that could be a pretty big number. Um, but uh, there's a nice uh, little open letter from the creator, who's a guy called Josh Wardle. He put on Twitter, just kind of underlining the fact that he never really intended this game to have a huge audience. And it's quite nice because he's not too defensive. He's not saying, "Look, I, I, if I can, I can sell it if I want to. It's it's my own property." He's more saying, "I didn't anticipate this. It's been a little bit overwhelming, to be honest. The last yeah. month, he's gone from really not having to worry about this at all to all of a sudden having thousands of people every day. You know, when they fail their last guess, raging because it's a it's a word that was impossible to know or isn't in the English vernacular or is more Americanized and etc. Cetera, etc." Cetera. Um, so he's written a nice note, but yeah, the, the financial side of it is is not super clear. Um, but what is a little bit more clear based on what the New York Times has said is what's going to happen in the kind of next few months, which is that at some point, the really big change for anyone who's been playing this game is it is going to move to the New York Times' website, which doesn't have to be a bad thing. They've also said, headline, it's going to stay being free. You're going to still be able to log on once a day and play it without paying anything 
And presumably, they'll use their, the fact that it's on their servers to be able to uh, monetize content around it through adverts or try and convince you to buy a subscription to the New York Times. Exactly. I think if I was at the NYT right now, their puzzle department is a really big deal. It's kind of, it's a little bit hard to know from the English perspective, but it's it's almost like a little game development studio within the New York Times. It's kind of a pretty serious endeavor. I would be seeing Wordle as their big new free trial. Everyone loves Wordle. It's very easy and quick to play. Hey, do you like other minimalist, nicely laid out, prettily designed word games? Well, we've got a whole package that you can subscribe to and you get eight different games once a day or however many it might be. So I think it could be a really good gateway drug in a way to some of the slightly more cerebral uh, word puzzles that they that they produce regularly. Now, I alluded to this in the in the Pokalem, uh daily newsletter that I write. You know, I was at the Times newspaper in London, not New York, uh, in the early 2000s. And then it was at the point where Sudoku was all the rage. And we saw, you know, the original Sudoku uh, grid and then there were multiple variants of Sudoku and puzzle books and, and things like that. Do you see this as as, as Wordle following that same projection projection of you know becoming the new Sudoku? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think certainly if you fast forward a few years, it wouldn't be much of a surprise if the NYT had a little section where you could play Wordle Original, Wordle Pro, Wordle Expert, you know, different versions of the game that might be easier or quicker or harder. However, I reckon in the next year, the NYT is going to, I mean, this to be clear, this is my conjecture, but in the next year, I think they're going to play it pretty safe. I think one of the things they've really got to avoid is any sense that they've taken what was a delightful free game with no ads and really heavily monetized it and turned it into a kind of capitalist endeavor. I think for quite a long time, you're going to still be able to log on just as you could before and log out without feeling that you've been bombarded with subscription attempts. But I think I think for now, if only because I think part of what made Wordle so explosively successful, very specifically, is its social media influence. This brilliant spoiler free way of, of sharing your results. You can share these squares and people know how quickly you got it and how much of a struggle it was to get it. But it doesn't in any way impact their own ability to play it blind. That was that's just one of those bits of design from Josh Wardle that he didn't even necessarily know he was doing. I think actually uh, someone who was playing it suggested it to him and then he incorporated it. That's just absolutely brilliant from a visual design standpoint. And I think that's the thing that's going to be really valuable to the NYT is if they can get people talking about Wordle in just the same way as they have been on Twitter consistently, all of a sudden, every single one of those tweets, instead of being an advert for a free game that doesn't produce any revenue, becomes an advert for their subscription-based game service. That's a great little turnaround, and it could easily become worth whatever it is that they paid for the uh, for the rights to the game. Now, I know you've been playing it very early on. You were one of the first in the team to come onto this and, <laughs> and, and enjoying this rather than someone that's joined it late. Uh, are you going to carry on playing it once it moves to the New York Times? I don't think I could stop, to be honest. Uh, it's become a lovely part of my routine, but also, I, and then I think this speaks to what a lot of people have enjoyed about it, my family WhatsApp chat now, the first thing everyone sends in the morning is their little Wordle results. We can, you can tell we're all getting up and doing it. You can tell also there's a, a pretty clear edge of competition there. I don't think uh, that's been such a nice part of uh, my kind of daily routine over the last month and a bit. I, I'm definitely game to carry it on, to be honest. And the New York Times, you know, as much as 
they would say this. They're right to say that their games department and the, the, the layout and the design of their games, it is really clean. It is It does fit with Wordle. So I'm certainly going to give it a try. If I don't get bombarded by uh, subscription requests, then uh, yeah, I think I can see myself playing this for quite a long time. Still to come, Cam gives us his verdict on the Huawei P50 Pro. They take really, really good photos that are sharp, um, lots of detail. And of course, you have that epic periscope zoom, which lets you get 10 times uh, optical zoom. Alex Cho is president of Personal Systems at HP and the head of the company's $35 billion business. He leads a global technology portfolio spanning PCs, displays and accessories, services, software, and even immersive computing. So he really is the best person to talk to in regards to where the market is going, what trends have emerged over the last couple of years, and whether the metaverse really is something that will become a thing. I started by asking how the last two years has impacted and changed the business and the industry. Yeah, let me say that first is um, the industry has changed and grown um, dramatically. It really is in many ways um, uh, one of the largest accelerants that we think is structural for this um, entire uh, space. Hybrid has changed how people work. It has changed how people learn. Um, it's changed how people connect just day to day. Think also as well around how people get entertained and um, there's areas of healthcare, seeing a doctor now. PCs mm -hmm. used to be something that were a tool that were used somewhat on the side, but now it's becoming the center of how people get life and work and schooling done. And it's driving this tremendous trend around um, this entire ecosystem. And and I know sometimes, you know, the industry is quick to react and sometimes it takes a while to, you know, with supply pipelines and, and, and all those kind of things. How has how has that forced HP's hand, perhaps? Do you do you feel coming into coming into the pandemic that, that you were there and ready and you've just you've embraced it all and it's like, well, we've been offering this for a long time. Or as a business have you felt actually we need to really quickly adapt and change to the way people are now using their devices? Well, I think it's both. Um, number one is um, we've definitely been focused on several things pre-pandemic that are proving to have been very favorable for what the world is working through. You know, we have been investing in experiences in general versus just speeds and feeds. We have been investing in collaborative technologies that allow people to connect remotely better. Um, by the way, we've also been very focused on sustainability for a long period of time, and that's becoming increasingly on people's minds. So in many ways, that has been an ongoing area of focus, and the pandemic only made those things even more important. At the same time, we're also finding that the pandemic has raised new areas that are rich areas for us to accelerate it on and continue to you know, really innovate. Um, uh, I'll give you a good example, and that is everything related to not just redesigning how people um, uh, use their computer for school and for work, but also gaming. I mean, we've been investing mm -hmm. in gaming, but gaming is becoming so much more social now. It's not just for getting great scores <laughs> when you play a game. It's about connecting. It's so much more diverse. Um, people are using it in many different contexts. And so both a great validation of things we've been working on and new areas 
that have been, uh, you know, really a stimulator of a lot of innovation creating. People are using the devices to create um, so much more than before. And we think it's a wonderful thing. And do you think that there are some, you know, we're already starting to see the likes of, you know, concerns about Netflix and, and, and whether subscriptions will wane, you know, Peloton and, and that kind of everybody working out from home, will they continue to do so once you once you can get back outside and, and, and those kind of things? Do you see that has there been any instances within the sort of PC industry where you, everybody's gone, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. And actually you think it, it might not ride out like that. Uh, we see the changes that have been accelerated from uh, the pandemic as really being structural. And, and we, we use that term, meaning that we don't think that they are just short-term things, but they're fundamental changes and trends in how people live. Um, just Let's just talk about um, connecting remotely beyond just using a phone, right? Mm. Video, and everyone wants to now see people in the face a lot more. Such a big part that that will not change. That will only grow. Uh, think about the advantages of being able to re, uh, to learn in more blended ways and get access to resources and people beyond um, those that are just in your physical um, geography. Telehealth that is such a huge convenience and accelerator of far more um, uh, and ongoing benefits for customers. So in work, as you know, hybrid work, gig working, freelancers, those are things that for our industry are really strong drivers of continued growth. And uh, we, we think will, will not be short lived. And do you think, though, that we'll see, uh, you know, obviously smartphones have, have been around for a long time. HP used to be within, you know, HP and then HP Compact and, you know, all about the personal digital assistance, certainly when I started, you know, writing at PocketLin. Do you see that now that we're more of a mobile workforce, a more hybrid workforce, that there might be a need or an urge for you know, a more sort of mobile device from HP beyond laptops and, and, and things like that? Well, we find that um, that hybrid work is clearly going to be driving an opportunity for a lot of new types of form factors um, and the ability to move work from anywhere, connect with anywhere, collaborate from anywhere is really driving a lot of that opportunity. We do see, though, that people are spending more time on a, a PC or a laptop type of form factor because they want the real estate that they can jointly see someone else while doing their work because so much of their work is collaborative. So that real estate, that ability to connect um, um, while doing work also just connecting in general, um, as well as the productivity that you get from a, a, a notebook. We see that really the design center. But you know what? As well, people are also setting up more permanent home offices. They're recognizing and they're hearing from their company's employers that uh, flexible work options are ones that will sustain. And so now they're mm -hmm. also setting up more permanent home offices. They're really setting up their homes now so that they can be more productive all day long. So interestingly enough, we're seeing, yes, continued growth in the notebook, but as well, people setting up more permanent home offices and all-in-ones. The other area that's changing is also traditional offices. Almost every company is looking at how to make their offices more of a collaboration community center. So all of those areas are driving a lot of um, changes and growth. 
And, you know, if you look at, you talked about the form factors there of, of wanting more real estate. If you look at the laptop, in, in reality, it hasn't really changed that much over the last 10, 15 years. It's, you know, a screen on one on one side of the flip and then underneath a keyboard, you know, to reveal a keyboard and a mouse or a trackpad, you know, et cetera, that you type from. Do you foresee that that's the likely to continue that form factor or that design ethos is is really you know nailed locked in and that's that's the way forward forever or do you see that the you know with new materials foldable screens all those kind of things we're going to see a much greater innovation in designs and form factors over the next say ten years? Um, we fully expect that there will be a lot more um, innovation in form factors as a starting point. Um, we're already starting to see that um, beyond just a, uh, what you call it, a, a screen and a keyboard, we're seeing form factors like 360s, um, those that have um, the ability for you to not just type, but a lot of people are watching videos. So mm. um, the ability to transition it to something that's easier for consumption or inking um, um, as a part of that, you know, we've announced several products that are um, uh, new in terms of design, whether it's pull forward designs or new types of 360s. The other thing that's important, all of these things are also driving a real focus on experiences. You can't look at this business and think about form factors alone or just speeds and feeds. People are looking for experiences and that's a combination of hardware, software, and services which really makes this an exciting area for a lot of new value for our customers. And and as the as we sort of embrace software more and, and the power of AI and 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 edge computing and things like that, do you, does that change the demands of the device? Because we won't necessarily need as powerful a machines. Because you know we're already seeing this with sort of Xbox Cloud Gaming and things like that, where it's 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 all being done off 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 device. You know the um, what we see is that there are only more demands coming on the device. Uh, and there is a, a, a demand for a broader set of devices. That's, that's the wonderful opportunity we have in the space is that the growing use of digital and all the different compute mechanisms is driving a lot of growth. And, and what we've been investing in reflects that. Um, we are investing very much in um, enabling more cloud clients, yes. In fact, we recently closed also on a company, Teradici, that focuses on enabling remote, really high visually intensive workloads. We're also innovating in a lot more local compute devices where you create a lot more power and compute at the edge because when it comes to data and security and just latency, you want the data closer right. to where you're computing. And so we, we see both um, happening. In fact, one of the things that uh, is really important is this is a space, as I said, defined by experiences and experiences around hardware and software and services all working together to deliver new experiences. Now, HP's dabbled in the in the world of virtual reality and with, with the reverb. Um, what does HP think of the metaverse? Well, number one is that word is being used a lot. <laughs> uh, second thing is, in many ways, it really is an extension of a lot of the trends that have already been in place. When you think about it. The internet was a place where people were exchanging information, starting to be a, a forum by which there was a lot more social, um, as you know. 
And the metaverse is a continuation of that where there's going to be a lot more um, activity done beyond just information and social connection. Just think about already the convergence that we see of um, concerts being held within a video game. Uh, think about what and what happens there. Um, the ability to use um, and, and have people who are in remote environments collaborate at the same time. You know, when they want to make a movie, an animated movie, having multiple people work on it at the same time and, and be not sequential or serial, but in parallel working together. So we see it a space where all the investments in computing, um, all the investments around experiences, new ways to consume content, 2D, 3D, those have a real accelerant in this um, broad opportunity. And the final question I have is, is someone that gets to probably see it all from a very big picture as well as what's happening in the future. What are you most excited about? Um, you know, one of the things that's, that's really exciting about the space is that we're really enabling people to connect better. And uh, as much as we love the technology, <laughs> as much as we, like, uh, we love technology and innovation, the focus of it being all around um, enabling people to connect, that's really exciting. And in fact, that's one of the largest drivers of all the innovation is that we're helping people connect better. And we think that's such a powerful driver because for that reason, then we have opportunities to invest in people showing up better. How people show up in audio and video, the reason that's important is you want to see people, you want to connect with people. You're helping people connect in terms of collaborating in real time. That's important because people want to share their ideas and they want to contribute. Um, learning, the ability to connect resources, teachers and students formally and informally. It's connecting people. We love that. And we just think that's such an exciting part. And by the way, it's really a part of our, maybe our most um, overarching ambition around making a sustainable impact mm. and really focused on how do we use these great technologies that will continue to evolve where we're investing a lot in order to make a sustainable impact for the planet, but also for people. Right. Back in the summer of 2021, Huawei announced its newest generation of the P-Series devices. For one reason or another, global shipping has taken some time to get to us. Could it be chip shortages, lower numbers of staff? Well, who knows? But the good news is that the flagship P50 Pro is now available, bringing it with a mighty impressive camera, but of course, only last generation Qualcomm Snapdragon hardware. And then, of course, you've got the Google services issue as well, with no access to Google Play Store, meaning certain apps aren't available. But is that a deal breaker for the majority of potential users? Or does Huawei's App Gallery and Petal Search offer ample workarounds to make it a viable flagship? Well, thankfully, Pocalens Cam Bunsen is here to tell us more. So Cam, what's it like? As a piece of hardware, I mean, we know, we, we've known for the past few years that Huawei does make exceptional hardware. Um, mm. like, like you've mentioned in the in the introduction, the, the cameras are superb. But again, it always it comes down to that whole lack of Google Play experience, which Huawei is still working around and hasn't quite got right yet, but you can see that progress is definitely being made. 
And so let's let's cut that off straight at the at the pass, so to speak. So they now have the Huawei App Store. That's correct. Uh, the App Gallery, isn't it? Yeah. And that presumably offers you a number of alternatives to the general things of like a browser, mail, favorite games, key apps, things like that. Yeah, of course. You've got a lot of Huawei. Huawei's actually built its own default stock apps to replace some of the ones that you would find on every Android phone. So obviously there's no Google Chrome and there's no YouTube and there's no Google Maps on it, but Huawei has built its own map service, which is actually quite good. Um, you've got your own browser on there. App Gallery has slowly started to add some popular messaging and social apps like TikTok, Snapchat, um, even Telegram Messenger is on there, but it's missing a lot of the key ones that I think lots of people in Europe and the UK specifically use. Um, so there's no official WhatsApp or Facebook or Instagram, things that are just staple apps these days. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean it's impossible to install them. They have their own uh, APK sort of download service, which you can search and download apps, and it will check them to make sure there's no dodgy malware going on your phone before it installs on there. Um, so there are workarounds, but it's it's a little bit lumpy still. And in terms of hardware, how does it does it impress against what we're expecting to come out of Alexa, Samsung and, and others this year? Yeah, I think one of the ways it really excels is in the photography department. And it's something we've probably been saying for the past two or three years in that when it comes to the processing of images and the camera hardware, whether it's down to Huawei or Leica that they're collaborating with, they just they take really, really good photos that are sharp, uh, lots of detail. And of course, you have that epic periscope zoom, which lets you get 10 times uh, optical zoom. So you've got a lot a lot to play with there in terms of the camera quality. And what was the bits that you really enjoyed? Yeah, I mean, the, cam- the camera was good. Um, and then there's the really nice display on the front, uh, which is a big 6.6-inch OLED display with 120 hertz refresh rates. Um, it's and it's really nicely tuned, well-balanced display. It's not that oversaturated sort of colorful look that you get on some phones. So just generally, as a piece of hardware, it's it's a really nice piece of kit. It's just the software, like we've said, is lacking a bit. And do you think that it will... Is it is it a product that you believe people should consider, or is it really just for those that kind of are happy to fudge around the corners? Yeah, essentially. I think it's... What I would say is for most people, probably not. Um, but there will be people that might be have their needs met by the services that are offered by Huawei through either the app gallery or the petal search tool. So me as a person specifically, I use Telegram as my primary messaging app. I use Starling Bank as my main bank account, and they're both available uh, from the app gallery. So for me personally, it's perfectly fine. Um, but for most people, we think, no, it's not something I would recommend. And is there any end in sight for them getting Google Play Store on? Because, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's holding it back, isn't it? If you get Google Play Store onto this phone, from what I can gather, it's it suddenly becomes a, a real contender for everybody. Absolutely. If they, if they could get Google Play services back on there, it would be one of the best phones on the market, despite having last year's top-tier processor in it. it. It would be a fantastic phone, but... We haven't heard anything specifically in terms of the US lifting those trade bans. So until that happens, they, they can't do that. And this isn't an isolated uh, product, is it? We've got the Huawei P50 Pocket as well. How does the two, I know you've been playing with both, how do the two compare? 
So the P50 Pocket is not your traditional smartphone. It's much more like the Galaxy Z Flip or the Razer phones that came out the last couple of years. It's a foldable flip phone. So in terms of software, it's very similar to the P50 Pro, but it's this shiny, flippy, compact phone that you can just slip into your pocket. And so given the choice, if I said, would you rather, would you rather have the P50 Pro or would you rather have the P50 Pocket? I'm a, I'm a big fan of the foldable phones. I like having something that's really compact, so I would definitely say the Pocket, despite its quite garish gold colorway. Brilliant. And this is out now, I presume? Yeah, these are available to buy in Europe out now, yes, but they are pretty expensive. So again, make sure they will serve your needs if you decide to buy one. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Pip Pip. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.